This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, broadcasting from the beautiful hill country of Texas, and my guest today is the great, the wonderful Reggie Littlejohn, founder of Women's Rights Without Frontiers. She is building a broad left-right human rights and humanitarian coalition to end forced abortion and genocide. She is also now leading an international campaign to pressure China, using the Olympics as an opportunity to pressure China to stop the war of genocide against the Uyghur and also to stop forced abortions across China, which are still happening. I just want to get on with the interview with the great uh, Reggie Littlejohn. This episode is being brought to you by Movie to Movement, promoting a culture of life, love, and beauty through the power of film. Go to movietomovement.com. Also, by the Vulnerable People Project, you need to become a monthly donor. Go to thegreatcampaign.org, and when you commit to $20 or more, or more a month, you get a free copy of my book, The Race to Save Our Century. And this episode is also being brought to you by, you know it, The Great My Pillow. But this month, there is an incredible special on Mike's My Slippers. You still go to MyPillow.com. But these slippers took over two years to develop. You can wear them indoors and outdoors all day long. They are made with MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. And they are made with a quality leather suede. For a limited time only, because these are brand new, if you go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square with the code Jones, you get that 40% discount. Now, I don't wear shoes, generally. Now that I'm on the mainland, people look at you funny. But even when I walk around the neighborhood, I don't wear shoes. So when I go to, but I have to now, right? My wife says, you got to put on shoes. These people in Texas, if you're not wearing shoes or slippers, something on your, put something on your feet or they're going to think you're crazy. I wear my slippers, but I have two pairs. So I have one at the door for going outside and then one for inside because of that impact gel and I'm always dealing with plantar fasciitis, which is a real pain. You don't want that. So I'm loving my slippers. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. Use the code Jones. Now for my interview with the great and wonderful and brave Reggie Littlejohn on the Jason Jones Show. Aloha, Reggie Littlejohn. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Jason, thank you so much for having me on. No, it's it's a privilege to have you on. You're someone I greatly admire. You're tenacious, and I love your organization, Women's Rights Without Frontiers. And you have been in one of the leading voices, if not the leading voice in the world, against forced abortion, uh, uniting people across the political spectrum, even uniting people that have uh, different opinions on whether or not abortion should be legal in the United States. But you've knit together a coalition that said, of, of course, there should never be forced abortions. And so you've um, been educating the world on what's been taking place in China, but um, not just with forced abortions, but also on Han Chinese women, but what's happening in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan with the Uyghur. And you have joined this, this broad coalition now that 
has labeled um, the Olympics, the 2022 Olympics, as the genocide games or the genocide Olympics. And you're calling for people to boycott the sponsors. And we've joined you. And we've partnered with you. We're boycotting the sponsors. We're boycotting the games. Um, give us the background on what's going on. And, and I don't think there's going to be a 2022 Olympics or the or, or China's going to have to change its ways. But it, fill us well, in. Okay, first of all, I have to give a, a slight correction that we are not calling yet for people to be boycotting the sponsors. What we're calling for is for the sponsors to boycott the Olympics. Okay, to withdraw right. the sponsorship. Okay. But if they so don't, is, if they don't, we're boycotting them. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that is a, that is a very serious decision that the committee is going to make, but, it, you know, it could be, it could very well end up there. Um, so right now what's happening is this. Both Secretary of State Pompeo in his last day in office and new Secretary of State Lincoln have both said that the Chinese Communist Party is committing genocide in Xinjiang province, and, and the way that this genocide is being committed is through forced abortion, forced sterilization, infanticide, the internment of between one and three million Uyghurs, um, removing children from their parents and putting them into some kind of you know daycare or schools where they are forced to learn Chinese and to uh, and and are propagandized to basically become Chinese. Uh, there's forced labor going on uh, there, with especially the cotton industry. So it just goes on and on. All right. So, um, so given that, that this has been officially determined that it's genocide by the U.S. government, then we are signatories of the Genocide Convention in 1948. And so that means that we are responsible to try to stop the genocide and even to punish the perpetrators of genocide. So in what sense is it a punishment of the Chinese Communist Party for us to be having the Olympic Games in Beijing or in China in 2022? Um, that's possibly the most prestigious uh, event, international event in the world, and they have no business hosting it. So I got together with the Committee on the Present Danger of China, Women's Rights Without Frontiers. The two of us got together. And I actually am, am chairing the committee on the Committee on Presentation of China um, to deal with this Olympic issue. We issued a press release about almost two weeks ago. To, uh, it was an open letter to the U.S. Olympic Committee, and it was copied to the International Committee, um, Olympics Committee, and then Biden and Blinken and all the sponsors saying, move the game. Okay, let's have a Freedom Olympics alternative to the genocide Games." And there are a number of cities that have hosted the Winter Olympics in recent years, one of which is you know, Salt Lake City, uh, that could that could have the infrastructure and could host an alternate game. And we gave them 10 days to respond. And we told them if they didn't respond, we would call for a boycott. And they did not respond. Now we're calling for a boycott of the game. Um, and we are going to be staging a major protest in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, on uh, May 29th, because that's that's where the United States Olympic Committee is. That's where they reside, Colorado Springs, and to say that the, that the games should be boycotted. I, I like that Freedom Games. Maybe we should hold the Freedom mm-hmm. Games in Taiwan. How's that? We, we would. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that would definitely be, you know, as part of our one child, uh, our one China policy, we're going to still hold them in China. We've just moved the location <laughs> to Taiwan. I, I love it. I love, I love the symbolism of that, Jason. That's a perfect idea. So, and, um, and one, <laughs> thing, great. one thing I want to say about you, Reggie, is, by the way, you're being listened to right now in Beijing. That You'd think they'd be more sophisticated. You know, as soon as my podcast drops, um, I can see where people are listening. And immediately, in Beijing, 12 downloads every episode, immediately, bing, 12. Not, well, not seven, sometimes 10, 12, every time. It's very interesting. Um yeah, well, you, you know what? We have this. This uh, we have a website called genocidegames.org, and we've got a petition on there. And we're, I'm asking everybody to go to the genocidegames.org and sign our petition. We need. A, we have got like 400 signatures so far because we just started this. We need like 100,000 signatures. You know, you and I need but, to communicate more because you know, a couple of weeks ago we launched the genocide uh, ccpgenocideolympics.com, and so we're all doing the same thing. And uh, great minds yeah. think alike. But what's amazing to see is how many groups are coming together. We're going to roll into yours. We're going to be joining a call after, after this. We're, we're working together. Um, because, and this is what I wanted to say about you, of all my friends, like you so passionately care and love for the people of China. Like this, our, our primary motive for boycotting these Olympics is not for us. Not it had nothing to do with me and my family, my life, my friends, my family, my neighbors, you, your family. No, this has to do with people that are uh, living under the boot of the CCP, the people of China, and we want their rights and dignity to be respected. That's why we're boycotting the games for them. This is for the people of China. That's right, Jason. You you said it so beautifully, and and, and so this is what we're doing is we are standing up to the Chinese Communist Party and saying, you, you, can't, you can't have this plum of an event when, when you are you know, dragging women out of their homes or even putting Han Chinese men into the homes. Like they'll intern the husband of a family and then, and then move a Chinese man into that home to live with a wife. I mean, so she's subject to rape, subject to surveillance. It, 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 it's just like the most heinous situation. And so we're saying, we know what you're doing. We hate what you're doing. What you're doing is totally hideous and unconscionable. And so we want you to stop doing it. And, and the only thing we can do is boycott this, these games that are ha happening on your soil because you don't deserve to host them. But what I wanted to say, Jason, about our petition is that you would be surprised. You can go online and you can see the, actually the names in the country that people are from um, who have signed it. There's quite a few uh, signatories from China, that, that these are Chinese people who understand that that these games should be boycotted so that, that the world can pressure China into giving them freedom. Yeah, we want to free China. We were told with when we gave China MFN status that China would become more like the rest of the world, and the rest of the world has become more like China. You know, now countries right. like Australia are, are, are panicked for their very existence. New Zealand lives under the knee of, of China. Uh, the countries of Asia are trembling. Even with my work in Iraq and in Africa, um, they fear China. They see China as brutal. This is why China is, you know, St. Saint, uh, Saint John Paul the Great said about evil regimes, that evil is a deprivation, it's the absence of being, and so they collapse. And the CCP, the way that they operate in their border, within their borders and without their borders means that they're 
quickly heading for collapse. The CCP is going to collapse. The people of China are going to arise. You know, I, I, I pray for the day that China is the hegemon, is a free uh, country, the fastest Christian, it might be the largest Christian country in the world, a free country. This is our dream for China. This isn't in some sort of kind of competition. Uh, we want them to be free. And what, what, do you, what do you take? I know you follow this. There have been a lot of apologists for the CCP. And they're saying this isn't an actual genocide. Well, it, it technically meets the terms of genocide, but it's not what we think genocide is. Could there be a clearer case of, of genocide no. in the world? No. I mean, you know, okay, what do I think? <laughs> it is absolutely clear that this is genocide. And um, a number of countries have, have made a similar determination. And what do I think of the people who say, well, I don't know if it's really genocide or maybe it was genocide, but maybe they're not doing it anymore. I mean, people are saying stuff like that because they, they don't want it to fall under the genocide convention, which requires us to take action to stop it. And they don't want to do that because, uh, in my opinion, they are bought out by the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, there are, you know, the Chinese Communist Party has its little tendrils in, in, in so many places, and Wall Street is one of them, and, 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 and the U.S. government is, is, is another one of them. They, just, they're, they're, they have something called unrestricted warfare, which be, they know that they cannot defeat us in a direct military kinetic conflict, because we have a superior, superior military capability. But what they want to do is take over the world. In fact, they believe that the whole world wants them to take over, but we just don't know it yet. You know, we're so pathetic. We just don't realize that, that how much better off we would be if we were under the boot of the Chinese Communist Party. And so they infiltrate everything. They infiltrate, you know, our economic system. They infiltrate our educational system with, you know, the Confucius Institute. Um, they, they infiltrate our political system. I mean, it's, it, it, every aspect of society, they infiltrate it to subvert it, to subvert us from within. Because that's the only way they can bring us down. They can't bring us down by trying to hammer us from the outside. They have to bring us down from within. And I think that the people who are making excuses for their behavior in Xinjiang have got to be compromised in some way. Yeah, I, I believe that. So talking about the in infiltration of the CCP, you know, when I was a college student in the 90s at the University of Hawaii, we had several professors that were openly Maoist. And there was a Maoist bookstore called the Re Revolutionary Books. We would have to buy our textbooks for the class at this Maoist bookstore. And when Wei Zhenxing was in prison and I was leading events to free him, I wrote a paper saying my goal would be to one day meet Wei Zhenxing. This Maoist professor said to me in the comments of, the, of my paper, oh, you'll get a chance to meet him one day when you're sitting next to him in a Chinese prison. And um, that's, that's what, you know, that was in the 90s. Openly Maoist. And um, Barack Obama's mother, by the way, side note, strangely, used to volunteer at that bookstore um, in the 70s. So, um, and I see it in Hollywood. You know, they're, they're investing in films. There are always strings attached. Reggie, in all of my work, whether it's in Hollywood, I run into China. Whether it's in Iraq, I run into China. Whether it's in Africa with the Vulnerable People Project, we run, we run into China. And um, the only thing I could say is the good news is they leave a horrible taste in everyone's mouth. Like, so their Iraqi partners um, are 
scandalized by the lack of respect that the CCP has for its own people, right? And um, I guess the only place I, I find people aren't scandalized by China is in Hollywood. They're, they're just that mercenary. But um, with my partners in Africa, my partners in the Middle East, they always share with, with how scandalized they are by the CCP and that they are the best publicist for the United States because if they have to choose a hegemon, they would hope it's the United States, not, not communist China. Well, I mean, when you're talking about Africa and Asia and, and much of the world, there's the whole Belt and Road Initiative, which is a way for China to get everybody under their boots. So what they will do is they will um, go into an African country, say that that um, doesn't have a lot of money, maybe it's, you know, it's a developing country, and they'll say, hey, we will um, put in this railroad for you, or we will create this port for you, and we will lend you all the money that you need um, for this. But there's only two conditions. One is that all the workers have to be Chinese, and that number two is if you can't pay the loan back, we will own the infrastructure. And so, number one, it doesn't benefit the people of that country because they're not getting the jobs. They're bringing Chinese people in to do all the work. Number two, you, ha you have no idea what kind of surveillance that they're putting into the infrastructure that they're building, okay, because there's no oversight by the home country. And number three, when, predictably, the country is unable to pay them back, then they will own, you know, a port in, in this country or a railroad in this country. And, of course, that's going to create you know, hatred for, for them and the way, that they, the way that they operate. But at the same time, these countries are vulnerable. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have the ability to fight back. And they're afraid to say anything because, you know, they could get really hammered in a way that they can't afford. And they figure it out when it's too late or they're so desperate. Can you, um, mm -hmm. I want to move from East Turkestan, Xinjiang, to China. You have been, you know, your work has really made the, the world aware of forced abortions. And a lot of people that they believe that in China there are no longer forced abortions. Can you, can you bring us up to speed? There was a change of policy on the one-child policy several years back, um, but are there still forced abortions in China? Not just oh, in absolutely. Xinjiang, but across China? Right. So in Xinjiang, you know, the, the, the forced abortion is just like, I mean, even up, uh, up to the ninth month of pregnancy and, and, and even in fantasy that people who have escaped have reported this. Um, so you can see sort of the heart of the Chinese Communist Party, you know, that they're just completely ruthless. But there was a report that, that, that came out uh, last fall. So this was reported by Radio Free Asian, and, and, it, and it appeared in an official Chinese news outlet that China had aborted 8 million extra births in the previous year. So this came out in 2020, so they're talking about 2019. Eight million, eight million extra births aborted. So those quote unquote extra births would either be uh, unmarried women or third children. That and 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 if they were extra births, that makes them illegal pregnancies. These women would not have had the option to have those babies. And so that's, in my opinion, that's eight million forced abortions. Eight million forced. That is forced abortion. So you're saying that in China, well, you know, the, the religious right lectures. Christians who are pro-life in this country on shaming unmarried women. You're saying that the CCP forces unmarried women to have abortions 
And then after two children, you are now forced to have an abortion. So it's not the one-child policy. It's a two-child policy. Right. It's not the one-child policy anymore. It's a two-child policy. But the two-child policy, uh, the rule is every couple is allowed to have two children. So that means you have to be part of a couple. And if you're not married, you're not part of a couple. You can be subject to forced abortion. Um, and then third children are still subject to forced abortion, depending on where you live. I mean, they're more lax in some places and they're more strict in other places. And the thing that's ironic about it is that their their population um, is imploding. Okay, they, they had the lowest birth rates that they've ever had last year, and they cannot sustain their elderly, and their workforce is going down. Um, to say nothing of the fact that there's between 30 and 40 million more men living in China than women. Uh, so so they've got you know so their marriage markets are on, on the verge of collapse as well. So they need more children. So th there's no reason, there's absolutely no demographic reason for them to continue the one-child policy. They should be allowing anyone, they should be encouraging anyone to have as many kids as they, as they want. But they've put themselves in a horrible pickle, right? So you have these, and I've heard you lecture on this before, that you have these children that they were called, the, what were they called? Like they were treated like little princes and princesses. and well, that's, Yeah, and, little emperors. The little emperor syndrome. So now the little emperors are the the slaves. So the the little emperors had everyone doting on them and caring for them, but now this these poor little emperors grow up now to be responsible for all these people alone because they don't have cousins, aunts, uncles, and so now they're carrying it's it's this inverted pyramid. Uh, I just got an insider report today. I'm going to try to get the guy on the show next week that said that that it, it looks like this year or last year, the demographic decline began in China. They weren't expecting this for 20 or 30 years. Have you heard about this report? Well, no, because I don't know why, how they could not be expecting it. Um, I mean, they, they've been having a decline every year ever since. Okay, when they instituted the, the two-child policy, the first year they had a slight bump up so that all the people apparently who had wanted a second child did it right away. Um, and, and had their babies right away, and then ever since then they've been in decline. So I, because they have to convince people that one is is the correct number of children, and also it's it's really expensive to have a kid in China. You, it's under communism, they they build themselves as oh you know, we are taking care of everybody, but actually no, you have to pay for health care, you have to pay for education, and so they don't have you know public schools or the way that we do here. So having a kid is really expensive there. So, so the die is cast, right? It's going to be they're going to, it's going to take a massive cultural change, uh, a shift away from fearing life to celebrating life. Right. Yeah. And 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 the thing that, that's really sad about it is okay. So as you know, we have these two campaigns. One is to save baby girls in China. Um, these are both in the Chinese countryside. So that so that even under the two child policy, especially second daughters are at risk for being aborted or abandoned. Um, and also there's just a lot of poverty out there, uh, so much so that like a, a lot of these mothers can't even produce milk because they're so stressed out by the poverty. So we um, have saved hundreds of baby girls uh, out in the Chinese countryside, but we're also saving abandoned widows. And this is one of, these are, these are also, I call them the invisible victims of the one-child policy, because as you were saying, um, they're, they're these these little emperors they can't they can't support 
you know, themselves, their parents, and their grandparents by themselves. They had no brothers and sisters to help them. And so these, these elderly widows in the Chinese countryside are just um, abandoned, and a lot of them are committing suicide. Um, they, have, they see no way out. So we are able to get to their doors. We're the only organization in the world that has boots on the ground inside of China, able to actually go to their doors and say to them, you know, you're a human being created by God in his image, and you have infinite dignity and value. So we're going to help you. And we give them the Chinese equivalent of $25 a month just to help them in some small way. Um, and so for some of them, it helps them eat better. And for others of them, maybe they can buy something to heat their room during, during the winter. It's really cold where we are in the winter. Um, but a lot of them are coming to faith um, because they, they'll say, you know, my own government, my own family has abandoned me. And yet you have come to my door. So our, our network in China, they're very passionate evangelical Christians. So they, well, they tell people about Jesus and, and, and people are coming to faith. It's well, that's amazing thing. Well, you know, that's beautiful. You know, my wife is Chinese and, living in Hawaii for 30 years, I can see, you can see in Hawaii, we have a very old Chinese culture in Hawaii that's been rooted there for a century. And they have a, like this really complex ecology of family structures and supports that communism just eradicated, a Western ideology, you know, first with right. the cultural revolution and then the one-child policy, it destroyed their heritage and, and really made it almost impossible to reach back and recover their culture, a Western ideology. That's what the CCP is animated by, that eviscerated their culture, that had a culture of support for the elderly, unlike nothing the world has ever seen, and, um, and abandoning their children. And so it's, it's, this is why I, I, I love the work that you do. So would you say the only hope, I mean, I, don't, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I was going to ask it the wrong way. Let me ask it this way. What would you say, where is hope in China? Where is their hope? I don't fear, I'm not one of these people, some of my friends, you know, we're at a war with the CCP, a war for civilization. They're going to collapse. The CCP is going to lose powers. So I'm really concerned with the well-being of the people that live in, in, in China. Where is their hope? Where can we see hope for them and for their future? Oh, Jason, that is a hard question. I mean, I, you know, yeah, Gordon Chang wrote a book called The Coming Collapse of China. It's hard to think of a government that is so brutal, so corrupt, and so hated by its own citizens, continuing. Um, and and so you, would, I would, I would, I would say that maybe the hope is that um, that the Christians will remain strong uh, under tremendous persecution, um, and that God will intervene to free the Chinese people. It's, it's just a, it's a very, very dark and difficult situation. Um, but if, if, if the Chinese Communist Party does collapse, one of the things I would say is that we should not make the same mistake that we, that we made with the former Soviet Union, which is just to say, okay, great, communism's over there, they're on their own, they're doing great. We need to really extend ourselves to them and really try to give them a helping hand to get them on their feet so that they can maintain whatever freedom that they have won. I've thought about that so much. We squandered such an incredible opportunity with the collapse of the Soviet Union. You know, it's the same types of people, the same types of corporations, for example, that are partnering with the CCP um, to make shoes or laptops or find rare earth minerals or whatever. They are the same ones that, and maybe this is what fortifies the CCP, the sort of knowledge that 
you know, there are Western corporations that are just as willing to exploit their people as they are. So better us than them. So you that I'm so glad you made that point. Um, because that was a, a horrible tragedy. Um, and it's because I think so many people in our foreign policy establishment saw Russia as the enemy and could never shift gears. And we need to know that the people of China, to me, are our most natural allies. That we have so much, as the United States and China have so much in common. And I can't imagine how all the boats of the world would rise with a free China. Uh, I just think every boat on the planet Earth would rise with a free China. And, um, but, but first, and you know who, who, who I want to liberate China for most? The Communist Party officials. Did I tell you about the, you know, because they're the ones that are the biggest prisoners. Did I ever tell you about the time I met with that very wealthy woman and pitched her your movie? Pardon me? Did no. I ever, so I was meeting with, um, it was on another movie, a big Hollywood movie. And a friend of mine said, hey, these three women are coming in from China. And I would like you to, um, you know, pitch them a movie to invest in. And they invest in, you know, I introduce them to people and. They make investments with you to be free. And it was a Sunday morning and I'm really jealous with my family time. I was like, nah, I can't meet with them, you know, any other time but Sunday. And, and this friend was just adamant, you know, well, just meet us at this. So I met them for brunch. And as I was pitching them, I moved three very wealthy, very connected in the party, Chinese women. And, you know, maybe in their early 50s. And, you know, they were just, they were, very wealthy women and they wore, you know, I looked at their, you could tell by their, their jewelry, by their clothes. And they wouldn't even listen to me as I was pitching them this movie, this big Hollywood movie with big stars. They were playing with their phones, whatever. And I got offended. I said, Hey, listen, ladies, this is my family day. I just tra I was traveling for a month and I was just dreaming of this day with my family. My friend said, you're interested in investing in Hollywood films. They asked me to come down here. I had this film to present to you. And you're not even paying attention, but I'm going to be straight with you. I can care less about Hollywood or these movies. All right. I, I make movies because I have two goals in life to end abortion in the United States and to end the Chinese one policy, child, child policy. This was prior to the change. And there's a movie I'm going to pitch you now that helps with that goal. Um, and so you're going to ha have to just sit here and listen. And I pitched them, you know, your movie. Now, listen, they uh, just were mesmerized at all when I started talking about my goal to end abortion the one child policy overturn the one child policy and they these very hard women became very soft and then the one woman said they were all victims of the one child policy and this one woman said to me who I mean if I could tell you how obnoxious they were before I pitched your movie she became the softest she was the hardest and she said she never had children because her administrative district had run out of permits when she got pregnant. And she had to have a forced abortion on her first pregnancy. And her first pregnancy, uh, the, forced, the forced abortion destroyed her fertility. She never got pregnant again. And I said to her, um, well, you're a very wealthy, powerful woman. Couldn't you have just bribed somebody and evaded this? She said, yes, if I wasn't so prominent of a person, I could have. But the snow on the top of the mountain can be seen from everywhere. So those of us at the top have to most strictly abide, abide by the rules. And, you know, tears were streaming down her eyes. 
on her face. Um, she, this woman, com, you know, member of the party from a very wealthy, powerful family. She herself was a victim of the one child policy. And it's for these people, you know, it's for these women, for all these families. We want to see this, the CCP just collapse. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm sure you've heard a lot we of gotta, stories. We got to get back to the, we, we got to get back to the film, Jason. I want to, I want to, I want to make this film, but um, yeah, I know I've, I've, I've spoken to some people from, from China. I mean, I'll never forget speaking to this one woman. I'm not going to tell the story. I'm going to have to go. But I, 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 this was like, I think she was like a PhD student or something who came over from China and was living with an American family. And I, and, and the family invited me over to talk to her about the one child policy. So I started talking to her about, you know, the one child policy and about my, my film. And in the beginning, she was just like, well, the one child policy is necessary for, uh, you know, the survival of the Chinese people. And, you know, she was defending it. But um, then I started t- talking to her about, you know, the reality that, that these are, you know, the development of the fetus and, and, and the reality that these are, are human beings. And, um, and then she paused and then she broke into tears and she told us a story about how um, she was the first child and then her brother, I think, was aborted because it was under the one-child policy, and they and and that um, even though they might have been able to pay kind of some kind of a big fine for the brother, um, they could they decided not to because they wanted to make sure that she would have enough money for her own education, and she was just she was just weeping uncontrollably about about realizing what had happened to her brother under the one child policy, um, you know, and, and according to the family, she went back to China like three days later. She, she cried all the way back, all the way until she got on the plane. And I don't know how much, how much, how long after that she did. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the Chinese people are just incredibly broken over this one child policy and, and the two child policy and the China and the Chinese communist party has, destroyed the culture of China. They used to be, you know, like you said, a culture that venerated the elderly, a culture that, that valued large families and loved children. And now, you know, they've destroyed that through the Cultural Revolution. They've destroyed that um, through the one-child policy to the extent that um, children are considered to be a burden and elderly are considered to be a burden. And basically, everyone is only as valuable as what they can contribute now to society. So, a kid is not even valuable or baby is not valuable because they're not contributing now. And the elderly are not valuable because they've already made their contribution. And so now they're just expendable. And it's just the opposite of what, what their beautiful culture used to be. Um, and so, yeah. And, and like you said, I don't know how they can reclaim that because there was such a rupture and the comments just ruptured it. How do you reclaim that? They're going to have to like rebuild or build a whole new, whole new culture. Um, and and so then I see, you know, communism coming to the United States and, and young people thinking that it's really cool to be a socialist and everything. I mean, they need to wake up. This is not a cool thing in any way. It needs to be stamped out. It does not need to be spread to the United States or anywhere else. No, that's isn't it really sad even the role that the US State Department with Elger Hiss and others played in installing Mao to power 
and um, or the Khmer Rouge with Anthony Lake in Cambodia. This idea that socialism is cool and we just look at how many people starve to death with Mao's economic policies, uh, agriculture policy, 60 million. 60 million, I think it right. was. And I, and I kind of see that the one-child policy was, was the fruit of that because children became a source of dread and fear because so many families watched their children starve to death uh, during the Great Famine that, that reproduction became frightening. Having children became, you know, children, babies reminded you of um, the greatest sorrows of, of the Great Famine. And so I think it's sort of this echo and echo of one bad policy leads to the next bad policy. So we saw that the famine led to the one child policy, which is going to lead to what with the elderly, like you just said, they're abandoning the elderly suicide. God knows what's next. And this sort of this echo of the culture of death. And you know what, what's, what'll be interesting is if there is this great revival uh, in China with Christians, it'll be the Christians that preserve Chinese culture. We've seen this throughout history, right? It's, it's Christians as there's a societal collapse, preserve the collapsed culture. And so to see, it'll be Christians, Chinese Christians that probably launched this great recovery of their culture that was destroyed by communism. Well, the Christians believe, and I believe, that every human being is, is created in the image of God and has infinite value from the time they're conceived until they, the time they die, a natural death, hopefully surrounded by people who love them. Um, and that's very similar to traditional um, Chinese culture. But it has a different basis. I mean, the traditional culture is more Confucius, but this is, is, is Christian, but it, it has a lot of similarities. Um, and so it can, it can be used to restore uh, a lot of what, what the most noble aspects of traditional Chinese culture. The communism is destroyed. Right, because it's atheistic. I mean, there's a communist that is atheistic and materialistic, and what they basically believe is that you are worth whatever you can contribute to society, and if, and if and so if you can't contribute to society, uh, and certainly if you are dependent, like an elderly person, then in, in their opinion you're worthless, and they don't they don't care if you die. In fact, they probably would prefer. So um, it's just it's it's a culture of death. It's a it's a it's a, it's a brutal culture. Um, and it's just, a, it's just a heartbreaking culture. So what we're happy about is that we can actually reach some of these people. I mean, we can actually go to the doors of some of these women and just say to them, you know, we love you and we're going to help you. And, and they can't even believe it. It's like no one has ever offered them a helping hand and they don't even have to do anything for it. And like I said, a lot of them are, are coming to believe in, 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 in Christ. They're coming to faith because it's the Christians that are, are the only ones who are, who are willing to reach out to them. Because it's the Christians that see them for who they are. As you said, creatures made of, of, uh, in, in the image of God with incomparable dignity. I want to end on this. I know in nine minutes you have a conference call. Um, why do I you... Have prepare, I have to prepare for it. Jason. Okay. I have to go. <laughs> okay. I can't ask you one more all question. Right. All right. One all more right. question. Uh, right. Why should we care... Why should we, you know, uh, add our name to this commitment to stand with the people of China and boycott the Olympics if we have to? Why should we care what's happening in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, Xinjiang? Why should we care about what's happening to Chinese women uh, with forced abortions? Why, why should people listening care? Well, 
I think that, it, it, you know, if we, if we, okay, if we are people of compassion, even without God, we've got to care about everyone who's suffering. But with God, and for those who are believers, uh, we, you know, if we love God, we've got to care about what he cares about. And he cares about every human being on this earth equally. And if there are people who are on the other side of the earth who are suffering terribly, then it's breaking his heart. And if we love him, we're going to want to comfort his heart and we're going to want to do what we have to do to stop a situation from happening that's breaking his heart. So, I mean, God loves everyone equally all over the world. And we, and, and another reason, Jason, is that we who know that this is happening have a responsibility to do something about it because we have free speech and they don't. They can't advocate against this on Chinese soil without getting you know, detained and putting their entire families at risk. But we can speak freely about it. And so we have the obligation to do so. We need to stand up for the, you know, be the voice of those who are voiceless and stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. Well, Reggie, thank you for being a model for me on how to be a voice for the voiceless and to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, not because they're weak, but because they're placed in impossible situations um, that the strongest people in the world couldn't stand up against, right? And, wow. and so we are, we're, we're more, more or less today, more or less free, and there is nothing stopping us from speaking out. So thank you, Reggie Littlejohn. I took way more than your time than I said I would. I'm sorry for that. Oh, no problem. But anyway, people should go to genocidegames.org and sign our petition to boycott the Olympics. Genocidegames.org. Boom. We're going to boycott the Olympics. And if the sponsors hang on, you guys are going to make the decision on whether or not to boycott the sponsors. I'm, I'm boycotting the sponsors. If I'll tell you now, if they go forward with the Genocide Games, I'm boycotting every sponsor of the Olympics and um, um, definitely going to boycott these Olympics. Thank you, Reggie Little John. And I guess I'll see you on a call in a couple minutes. That's right. All right. Take care now. All right. God bless. All right. That was Reggie Little John. She is like a hero of mine. She is tenacious. She has fortitude and she's disciplined. And, you know, here's the reality in the world right now, guys, that there is an illiberal regime that is occupying China. Russia is dominated by an illiberal regime. The European Union is dominated by uh, an illiberal regime. And in the Anglosphere, in the English-speaking world, United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, we have what I am dubbing in an article that's coming out soon. I've keeps getting bumped back by more urgent issues, where I'm dub, uh, dubbing the uh, what we're living under in right now, I call it Anglo-fascism. They call it neoliberalism. There is nothing free about it. So let's take liberal back. Liberal means freedom, pluralism, diversity. And so really there are four illiberal regimes that are engaged in a massive homogenization of the world into this homogenized world state. The Anglo-fascists, the European Union, Russia, and China. And so we are in a war for freedom. And we need to stand with the people of Hong Kong, the, uh, the Uyghur and, China, and others in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, the women of China that have to suffer forced abortions, the people of China who have seen this Western ideology, communism decimate their culture. Cultural revolution was like, imagine if every Shakespeare scholar, Greek scholar, Latin scholar, uh, the, every copy of the Iliad and the Odyssey 
um, the writings of Plato and Aristotle and Locke and Hobbes, it's all burned. And all the professors crushed and sent to prison camps. Uh, imagine the world that we would have on the other side of that hell and then followed up with uh, a forced abortion policy. That is what a Western ideology, communism, socialism, did to the people of China. So I'm boycotting the Olympics because when we boycott the Olympics, the CCP genocide Olympics, when we boycott their sponsors, what we're saying is that these four illiberal powers that are jockeying for you know primacy, all jockeying to be the hegemon, but it doesn't really even matter who wins because all four of them are grinding the world down into this world homogenized state. And what we want is beauty, diversity, freedom, right? Freedom. And the people of the world are all of these little pockets of heroes fighting for freedom. And that's what the Jason Jones show is about. And here's my commitment to you. I've said it a couple weeks ago when I announced our genocide Olympics website, um, that we were boycotting the genocide Olympics. There will be no CCP genocide Olympics. There will not be unless China uh, does a U-turn in its, its policy of um, forced abortion and genocide in Xinjiang, East Turkestan. There will not be. I, I can promise you that because I, I know that the people who listen to the show, all the organizations around the world that are coming together are going to reach the, we have enough time to reach everyone in the world. And the, the people are going to stand together against the worst genocide. And then we have to ask ourselves, why are companies like Nike and Apple and Google and Facebook and Costco, who am I forgetting? Why are they um, plugging up their ears and closing their eyes and pretending not to see the genocide of the world? They're really, it's really reprehensible. Oh, that was my point, that when we stand up against the genocide games, we are really standing up against all of these four great illiberal regimes. That's what we're doing. This is our chance to stand up to all four of these powerful illiberal regimes together. China, the Anglo-fascists, the European Union, and Russia. And as, and, and, um, as we stand for the people of East Turkestan, as we stand with the people of China, as we crack uh, the genocide games as we expose the heartlessness of all of these corporate sponsors and the shamelessness of these these political leaders that are um, gaslighting us. You know, Biden said that um, Biden said that the genocide in East Turkestan is a quote unquote Chinese cultural norm. That's a despicable calumny against the people of China. It would be like saying the Holocaust was a German cultural norm, and. Um, Obviously, that's not true. Uh, but I should wrap the show up because I just realized I got to jump on our boycott the CCP Olympics conference call in one minute. This episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project. Join us. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Become a monthly donor. $20 a month. The monthly donors that have been coming to us through this show are really giving us a lot of wind in our sails. So please join um, our organization by becoming a monthly a donor, $20 a month. You get a free copy of my book, The Race to Save Our Century. This episode is also being brought to you by MyPillow.com. Go to the MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use the code Jones to get those awesome slippers I told you about in the front of the show and also deep discounts 
on all of their other great products. Until next time, Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Thank you.